0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive,
2: center field, hit the
1: wall, grand slam! is magnificent.
2: Got a fantasy question? Email baseball at
1: cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes
1: reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. At
0: long last, we've made it to our final position preview pod for now. Starting pitcher preview part three. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, February 28th. I am Frank Stamfel, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. And today... We've got to hit on all the starting pitchers outside the top 40 in ADP. We've got sleepers, breakouts, busts, prospects, and a whole bunch more. What's going on, Chris? How was the weekend?
2: Oh, it was good. It was good. I've been playing some Elden Ring, uh, the new the new video game that came out. I'm not very far into it, and I don't really understand what's happening. Uh, I've died many times, which is, I, from what I understand, the point of this game uh, is you're going to die a lot. So it's been good. How about you?
0: How about me? Uh, it was solid. I went to the Knicks game on Friday. They stink. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just kind of relaxed on Saturday. I watched What We Do in the Shadows, the movie, and it was really good. It was <laughs> uh, probably about as good as I could hope. Um, Scotty, happy TGFBI Day. We were talking beforehand, the great fantasy baseball invitational, a collection of 15 team roto leagues throughout the industry with everybody competing against each other. Uh, they start on Monday. They're slow drafts, which means... You'll probably hear about them on podcasts or and or see a bunch of screenshots on Twitter. But I believe this is your first real draft, right, Scotty?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it will be my first. And it's it's too early as far as I'm concerned, considering two-thirds of the closer roles ac- across the league are up in the air. And, and And, you know, get to a 15-team league, closers really go for a premium. So, not excited about that, but... Yeah, it will it, be nice to do a draft that means something.
2: Yeah, get yeah, ready nice for uh, like I'm, I'm doing this Rasball draft. I don't know if you guys are in that as well, I, yeah, I'm mean, in. Get signed uh, up in time. <laughs> closers do not count. Like closers do not matter really for this format, yeah. which is fine. I'm happy with that. I don't need to worry about them.
0: I haven't drafted a single one, Chris. I have seven pitchers. They're all starting pitchers. I'm probably not going to draft a closer at all. For those who play in best ball style leagues, because that's what the Raz uh, Raz Slam is, you probably shouldn't draft closers just because there's so much volatility and and variance throughout the course of the season. So just draft as many starting pitchers. That's my best ball advice for the day. Unless it's like
2: a roto, you know.
0: Right, right, yeah. If it's any type of draft and hold where there's categories, of course, you're going to need closers. But just best ball points... You don't need closures at all. Of course, it's not the happiest of days. It's, you know, it's TGFBI Day. I am happy about that. But if a deal is not made between the MLB and the and the Players Association on Monday, by the time you're listening to this, then opening day will be delayed. So it's not looking good as of now. But any updates that we we get, we obviously will uh, relay those to you. And um, who knows? <laughs> it seems like we're, we're I headed. Feel
2: like, I feel like we all know.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately. We I, we know that something's going to be delayed. We just don't know for how long or basically. Yeah,
2: so I, I went ahead and uh, made sure my MLB TV does not auto renew tomorrow. It's a good so, point. Uh, I'll, I'll wait until I know when the season is starting.
0: All right, so let's jump back into ADP review. We left off last podcast with Zach Gallen and Shane Boz. So we're going to start with five starting pitchers going between picks 132 and 150. So this is rounds 12 and 13 in a 12 team league. And that includes Ian Anderson at pick 132.8, Framber Valdez at 135.2, Chris Bassett at 138.2, Nathan Avaldi at 139.6, and Sean Manaya at pick 146.6. Chris, we'll start with you. Ian Anderson, I know last year you were a fan of his and still has this really strong three pitch mix, walks to too many batters, obviously. Um, but he's now made thirty starts in the majors and he's got a three point two five ERA and a one two oh whip. Now being drafted, he's being drafted considerably later than he was last year. How do you feel about Ian Anderson entering twenty twenty two?
2: Yeah, it it was a pretty disappointing 2021 season for him. And not just because of the performance, but because he missed time with a shoulder injury. And that's a a big red flag for me. And based on what he did in 2021, at least, he kind of just looks average at everything. He's got about an average strikeout rate, about an average walk rate, maybe a little better than average in strikeouts, a little worse than walks about average in terms of quality of contact allowed, you know, no, like one real standout swing and miss pitch.
1: I I would say ground balls is the one thing where he stands out. But he's like average
2: in terms of quality of contact and all that stuff. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I know where he can stand out. It's just after seeing it for a full season, it's, it's pretty disappointing what he looked like. And, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like all of his pitches are just fine, and he has to just pitch better to, to get more out of everything.
0: He, he does throw mid-90s with the fastball. The the changeup has surprisingly be, been his best pitch because it was expected to be the curveball for him. I will yeah. point out, the first half for him, he was a little bit better. The, the fastball velocity around 95 miles per hour, but once he returned his final six starts after the shoulder injury, velo down a little bit. The underlying number's not nearly as good for Ian Anderson. Scott, let's talk about another uh, ground ball pitcher here. From Valdez, the ADP 135.2, excels in points leagues. 14.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, that was tied for... SP25. He goes deep into his starts. Six plus innings in 16 of 22 starts last year. He went seven plus in eight of those. However, the strikeouts took a step back. Uh, the walks also took a step back last year. So the ERA was good. He goes deep, but 1.25 WHIP. I'm thinking that's probably closer to what we should expect from Fran Barvaldez, albeit with a 70 percent ground ball rate. So I mean that mark is just ridiculous.
1: Right. Yeah. No. He is. He is. So among qualifiers, I think Luis Castillo was first in ground ball percentage, around fifty-five percent. So seventy percent, uh, because Valdez missed some time, he didn't qualify. But seventy percent compared to that fifty-five percent that led qualifiers, I mean that just shows you how far ahead he is. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, Logan Webb and Ranger Suarez, who didn't qualify either, they were both or they were both above fifty-five. I think they were around sixty. But it, anyway, you slice it, Framber Valdez is the is the premier ground ball pitcher in the game, and uh, I think I prefer him to Ian Anderson because percentage-wise, I think they're pretty similar. But Frombert Valdez, you talked about it, Frank. Like he is, he is somebody who's just gonna pile up innings and pitch very deep into starts with the Astros' supporting cast that should lead to a lot of wins. And uh, I, I would, I would. I would rather have I would rather accept the one two one two five whip um, that that comes with that, his profile and all those innings for a good team, than count on Ian Anderson to take a step forward. So that's where I am with Valdez. Definitely better in points leagues than Roto, um, but if you have if if you're willing to take a little bit of a hit and whip. You know the the ERA and the strikeouts. They should be good, and the wind should be good too.
0: Chris, you mentioned with Ian Anderson, he's kind of this jack of all trades pitcher right now. Doesn't really excel in one area yet, and I feel like that's exactly how you could describe Chris Bassett. He's got a one thirty eight point two ADP. He's thirty three years old. Of course, last year got hit in the head with a line drive and missed like a month or two out of the season, but. In the innings that he pitched, he was awesome. 3.15 ERA, 106 whip, over a strikeout per inning. He averaged 16 fantasy points per game. That was SP17. That was better than Alec Manoa, Charlie Morton, Lance Lynn. And here he is being drafted as the 43rd starting pitcher off the board. Um, the only thing, Chris, is like, you're kind. it kind of feels like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because he just consistently outperforms his peripherals. But he's just done it for so long that Maybe you should just trust Chris Bassett.
2: Yeah, I mean he's got a deep repertoire. He doesn't really have. No, oh, excuse me, <laughs> all right, Chris. Ah,
0: uh, yes. Yeah. Poor Chris, that's battling. Where I, that's uh, where I
1: was a couple weeks ago. <laughs>
0: the coughing, poor guy. Um, you're right though. I G- love. He look. He has. He's crafty, and I think Scott. When you're trying to figure out these guys that underperform, that mm-hmm. when they overperform their their peripheral numbers, finding someone who's like crafty, who has all these different pitches, I think that that's a good way to describe it. And Chris Bassett has at least six pitches he uses at least six percent of the time.
1: So I was very skeptical coming of him coming into last year. Uh, he had really took a step forward during the short twenty twenty season. Two twenty nine ERA. Okay, obviously that was unsustainable, but it, it, uh, clearly, clearly broke through as 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 somebody who you know most would consider a must start pitcher, and he sustained it last year. He didn't repeat the 229 ERA, but you know, 315 is good enough. And I love drafting him this year. I, I think, yeah, I, I had, I, I think there was good reason to be skeptical of him, but the follow up was so strong and so consistent over the course of last season, obviously, before he took that liner off the face and, and missed that time. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's a potentially a top twenty performer available outside of the top forty here.
2: I think he might even be a little underrated at this point because, you know, you said like the Jack of All Trades, Master of None. Well, he did up his strikeout rate to twenty-five percent last season. That's not elite, but that's well clear of average. You know, that's about three percentage points above the league average at this point. So I do think there's room for for Chris Bassett to Sustain a load to mid three Z R A moving forward.
0: Also with Chris Bassett, I'll point out Oakland's been subject subject to many trade rumors. He has been much better in Oco in his career. Two point four four ERA at home, three point seven one ERA on the road. So if he winds up somewhere, I don't know, let's say the Yankees. The Yankees have been linked to trades yeah. with Oakland. You know, it might not be the best thing for Chris Bassett. So
1: just keep that in mind. Right. No, that's that's a good point. And yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to what extent Oakland's gonna sell everybody off but uh, if if he becomes more vulnerable to the home runs then that could that could sink him
0: all right, Nathan Avaldi has an ADP of 139.6. He was the SP29 in Roto last year. He averaged th- uh, 13 fantasy points per game. And Chris, he finally managed to stay healthy. 182.1 innings for Nathan Ivaldi. And that was the first time he threw that many since 2014. Another pitcher that has all these different pitches, five different pitches he uses at least 12% of the time. And I feel like he kind of fits the mold of a Chris Towers guy because if he just stays healthy... I think that he's undoubtedly going to pay off this ADP. What do you think about Evaldi?
2: Yeah, I think the ADP is good enough that it's that that's a fair thing to say. I <clears throat> I don't think he's likely to go deep into games all that often. Uh, you know, he was below six innings per start last season. That's not terrible, but it's not great. Like, yeah, he he's someone who strikes me as <clears throat> just like very solid, and I'm not sure how high the upside is. I guess the the improvement in his walk rate over the last couple of seasons has really played played a big part in him pitching better, and you know maybe that will allow him to be like a mid-3 ZRA guy moving forward. Um, the one thing that scares me off him is just he historically has gotten hit pretty hard. Last season, that wasn't the case, and so how sustainable is that remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, the 3.75 ERA was actually backed up by a 3.8, uh, 3.48 XFit, 3.60 Sierra, 3.37 XERA. So I think there's actually a chance for, for Nathan Evaldi to be even better than he was last year. Uh, if he could just maintain the gains that he had from a season ago. Scotty, I'll make the case for Sean Manaya, And you can either choose to agree or you can make the case uh-huh. against Sean But All right. Uh, he is 30 years old and uh, coming off of a, I, I don't want to say mid-career breakout because he was fine. He wasn't great or anything. 3.91 ERA, one-two-three whip. The strikeouts were by far the best we've seen from him. 194 strikeouts over 179 and a third innings pitched. But it's the underlying numbers that I really like from him. 3.62 Sierra and a 20.3% K- minus walk rate. They both ranked 16th among qualified starting pitchers last season. Better than Walker Buehler, better than Joe Musgrove, better than Max Freed. He had this huge velocity jump in both his fastball and his changeup. His curveball was up five miles per hour year over year from 2020 to 2021. Posted career highs in swinging strike rate in K per nine. Uh, He did fade down the stretch. His final 11 starts, he had a 5.88 ERA. I, I think it's just, you know... He faded. I I think it happened to a lot of starting pitchers coming off the shortened season. And look, if you trust projections, I I do. I I think the people who make them are smarter than I am. Uh, ATC from our buddy Ariel Cohen has Manaya as the SP26. Steamer projections have Manaya as the SP11. 11. It's crazy. So I I don't, I'm buying in. I I like targeting him in this range. What do you think, Scotty?
1: Don't know. I don't, I don't see the justification. They have him as the SP11 with steamer, you said? With a three sixty, they're projecting for a three sixty six ERA in one hundred seventy nine innings and eleven and ten record. I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's a little weird. Does every pitcher have a horrible projection? Otherwise, I I don't
0: get it. I Um, I think, I think the Steamer projections typically um, they're very conservative in terms of their their ERA and their whip projections. So three point six six is is actually probably very low for Steamer.
1: Yeah. Well, no. So like. He, he, Sean Minayan needed this incredible jump in velocity just to get to a 391 ERA and a little more than a strikeout per inning. I don't know. That that just seems, that, that makes me a little nervous. And the fact he was performing at this level beyond what we've ever seen from him before, and, and he did fade so much in the second half. You know, it's not like he has some long track record of, uh, we can point to, of of even numbers like last year that are, you know, decent, good enough, but not 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 somebody who's, you know, in the mix for the Cy Young discussion or anything. I, I think Sean Minai is okay. Uh, I he's in the fifty-five, but you know, I, I kinda lump him, Nathan Avaldi and and uh, Tyler Malley together as pitchers who are decidedly third tier. And don't really have the upside for more, and so you know there's there's a right spot to take them. It's somewhere in this range, but there are definitely pitchers in this range that I can get more excited about.
2: All right, yeah. One thing that I find interesting about him is he's he basically ditched his slider entirely last season, and even in 2020 he only threw it uh, 3.4 percent of the time. He has a curveball now, and you know I don't know how much of that is just. You know, maybe they're similar pitches, but that was a historically pretty effective pitch for him. So I, I'd be interested to see if he if he goes away from that forever because he's a 60 percent sinker guy, and that's generally not an approach that leads to a ton of strikeouts. Right. Um, so like, I don't know how to su- sustainable a twenty six percent strikeout rate is if he's going to be a sixty percent fastball guy. But if he drops that to like fifty percent and mixes in a few more sliders then maybe it can get interesting.
0: Yeah, look, the the changeup in the curveball, they seem like fine secondary pitches, but the sinker, you're right. I mean, 60% is just way too much. So uh, if he's traded, or even if he's not, if he just decides to throw his sinker less, I think that could lead to more upside. We have no reason to believe that he's going to throw it less because this is basically how much uh, he's always used his sinker, so I'm just buying more into the what we saw over the first 21 starts, basically, where he had a 301 ERA and a 114 whip, so I don't think he's going to do exactly that, but I think he could build off of what he did last season, hopefully here in 2022. I, I think he's undervalued, so I'm going to be targeting Sean Minaya quite a bit myself. Five starting pitchers going between picks 154 and 171 rounds, 13 through 15. Ranger Danger Suarez for Scotty here. 154.4. Logan Gilbert at 163.2. Luis Severino at pick 163. Uh Eduardo Rodriguez at pick 165. And Sonny Gray at 166.4. Scotty, talk to us about Ranger Suarez, who has Sparp eligibility. And because of that, I mean, should he be the first Sparp taken? I guess you could argue him versus Severino, right? Because they're both going in the same range.
1: Yeah, you could argue it. I mean, obviously we we've seen a higher Severino, when he was breaking in, looked like a top ten pitcher in fantasy. Uh, but it's it's been, gosh, how long has it been? Four years since 2018, right? Since yeah. Luis Severino has has
0: that was the last f-
1: meaningful innings,
0: last full season for Severino. Yep, 2018. Yeah.
1: So that's um, you know, I <laughs> I think there's reason to be a little wary of him. Now, Ranger Suarez is one of those pitchers in this range who I can get more excited about, and the, the argument isn't even that deeper or complicated. He had a 136 ERA last year. Okay. Come on. Give, give the guy his props. Okay. The t- he, 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 that, that is the lowest ERA for a pitcher to, who made at least 12 starts in a season since Jacob Degrom also last year, but okay. So take Jacob de last year out of it. That is the lowest ERA for a pitcher who made at least 12 starts in a season since Bob Gibson. All right. That's how, Impressive, that 136 ERA. And by the way, yes, his time in the bullpen brought that ERA down some, but in the 12 starts themselves, he had a 151 ERA. So, like, he just kept doing the same thing. Uh, and that was, you know, by the end of the season, he was throwing six innings consistently. In fact, he had a complete game shutout, one of those starts at the end of the year. And I mentioned, you know, the the, the main reason for it earlier is he was one of, the most extreme ground ball pitchers in baseball. And for being a ground ball pitcher, he he still got a strikeout per inning. And actually, after moving to the rotation, the K per nine and the BB per nine both got better than they were in the bullpen. So it's, he didn't lose anything stuff-wise with that transition. I'm not saying he's going to have a 136 ERA again, obviously. I'm not saying he's going to have a 236 ERA. But a 336 ERA would still make him a must-start across the board. And... um I'm willing to bet he can do that with those ground ball skills. I think he can. So, yeah, I'm happy to take a flyer on. I'm, I'm happy to take a shot on Ranger Suarez here. Prefer him as like a number four, but I can live with him as a number three, especially... Nah, leave this especially. out. I could live with him as a number three.
0: All right, yeah. Look, I know many people are going to point to the schedule when it comes to Ranger Suarez, his final nine matchups at the Diamondbacks versus Tampa versus Arizona, at the Marlins against the Rockies. That game was in Philadelphia, against the Cubs, the Orioles, the the Pirates, and the Marlins. And I've come around a little bit more on Ranger Suarez. Got Specifically, I was looking into this earlier today, and he throws a sinker, his fastball and his sinker combined 70% of the time. He's got this awesome changeup. And he used a slider about eight percent. So I, I, you know, I wonder, you know, is the arsenal enough for Rangers Suarez to be effective? But in that limited sample with the slider, it was a really strong pitch for him. And back in 2019, he threw it 20 percent of the time. So if he ups that to like I don't know, 10 to 15 percent as like
2: a true third offering,
1: then I'm interested. But
2: Go ahead. He just. wasn't good in 2019. He was not right? good. That, that is pretty. a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the
1: pitch had
2: good. It had uh, good
0: results last year. He just didn't use it very much. I mean, right. you
2: know what it sounds like, right? No, tell me. Pause for dramatic effect while I cough. <laughs> Zach, please, uh, Zach,
1: well, I mean, Zach. I mean, Zach you're right. Zach did have a skill as good as... You're Ranger right. Ranger Suarez
2: was. did make nine starts, while Zach Plezak only made eight. So, no,
1: Ranger Suarez made 12 starts, Chris. Right, Were you but the,
2: the, the, the nine starts, you know, the, the, it just... Like, I think he's fine, but you're asking him to do something that basically nobody in baseball does with his pitch mix. And maybe he can. Like, the fact that he did this last season with this pitch mix already makes him an outlier. Like, it's very hard to do what he did. make, And while making the transition from the bullpen to a re- starting spot, no less. But it's the type of, like, you should bet against outliers. And most people are. The nice thing about Ranger Suarez is he doesn't cost very much. So the... The cost of betting on him is pretty minimal.
1: Well, I, I think I think if there's a type of pitcher who can get away with a limited arsenal, it is it is somebody who relies heavily on a sinker and, and getting weak contact. And like that's like if your sinker's good enough, then basically nobody can do anything with it. And so, you know, that's what we see from that's partly what contributes to... Fran I guess, has a great curveball, too. But it's it's really just those two pitches for him. And he's been the best ground ball pitcher in the game for the past couple years. Uh, I, I think Ranger Suarez can do something similar, but possibly with better control. I mean, and and for what it's worth, like, I don't think we should just discount what he did in the bullpen, either. I mean, he was, he was kind of a multi-inning reliever before he joined the rotation and made those 12 starts and was, you know had the ERA and the low ones then as well. So, you know, I, I do think it's very different from Zach Pleszak for a number of reasons, but... Those, those are a few of them.
0: Chris, what are your expectations for Luis Severino this year? He's got an ADP of 163. He's still just 28 years old, only relief pitcher eligible on CBS to start the season. Once he makes those five starts, he will become starting pitcher eligible as well. He's only thrown 27 and two-thirds innings since the start of 2019. That is the postseason included. The last time we saw him in 2018, he finished as the SP10 in Roto. So what are you thinking we see we see from Severino this year?
2: You shouldn't expect much. I mean, he's he's had, what, Tommy John surgery and then shoulder surgery since then? Or was it shoulder injury that led to Tommy John surgery? I th- um, think it's that, the latter, yep. That's a pretty troubling combination. Last, I mean, when we've seen Luis Severino pitch, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball, basically, ever since 2016. The problem is we've only seen him, what... 25 innings over the past two seasons, something like that. So, 18 innings over the past two seasons. So, it's just, there's very little to go on at this point. If he's healthy, he's going to be really good. I feel pretty confident about that because it's basically all we've seen from Luis Severino in his career. He's got, you know, one of the best sliders in baseball, you know, throws hard, gets whiffs. But he's a kind of a total unknown right now because of the injury.
1: You don't know how... So the slider puts so much strain on the elbow and you, you just don't know if he's, if it's going to have the same, If he's able to snap it off quite the same way before.
2: And it's possible that he's healthy on opening day, but just can't stay healthy.
1: There's that too.
2: So I, I don't, I, I I'm fine with drafting him. I'm pretty sure I just drafted him in raslam. best ball. I think that, you know, makes it a little easier to live with, but yeah, he's, he's risky. That's why he's going here instead of a hundred spots earlier.
0: Yeah. I, I th- I think the Yankees are going to be pretty safe with him too. They're they're probably going to baby him quite a bit. What were you going to say, Scott?
1: Uh, I you know the shallower the league, the easier it is to say this, but I think I would take him over that boring trio I referred to earlier. Manaya, um, Balby, Bassett. Oh, oh. yeah. Um, I shit. don't have him mixed in with the starting pitchers here because he's only relief pitcher eligible. So, uh, but yeah, I I think so. Certainly, like in a in a 10 or 12 team points league especially where you get that relief pitcher eligibility yeah i would definitely do that the deeper the league is the harder it is to to take a chance on somebody who's so combustible like that and you may want to play it safer with the that trio but but yeah i think i i think it's i think he's going in a, a appropriate spot here severino
0: the innings projections for him on FanGraphs are all over the place too, which makes sense. He's between 97 and 157 innings pitched uh, for each of the, you know, six projection systems that they have. Scott, what do you think about the breakout ability of one Logan Gilbert who has an ADP of 163.2. The surface level numbers not great last year, 4.68 ERA. One one seven whip is actually pretty good, uh, but the strikeout to walk ratio was really good for him. He's got strong secondary pitches, uh, an eighteen percent swinging strike rate on the slider, sixteen percent on the changeup. His fastball actually had the eighth best pitch value on Fangraphs as well. So he's kind of he's got all of the pieces. He just needs to put them together, and if he does that, I actually think that we could see a, a pretty big season from Logan Gilbert.
1: Yeah, we either will or won't. It's it's one of those kind of picks I feel like, and. It, it seems like a fine spot to take a shot on a guy like that, but it's. I'll, not. I'll add, he could also be mediocre. Thanks, Chris. Well, he, that's what he was last year, right? Is <laughs> mediocre.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, would say be one of those three things. A four six
0: eight ERA is probably is probably worse than mediocre. That's that's pretty unusable. I would say. Well,
2: I mean, but it, wouldn't, strike, t- it wouldn't
1: it wouldn't take much for him to get a four ERA.
2: Decent know? strikeouts, right? Good whip. He was he was fine. He was okay.
1: There there were, there was nothing in the results, I guess my point is, there's nothing in the results to make me say, okay, Logan Gilbert, this is his year. It could be his year. Like, it's clear there's talent there. He did show that at least. But the time, him being on the verge of putting it all together, like, there, to me, there's, there are no indications of that. So that's what I mean when I say he either will or he won't.
2: Yeah, I yeah. wonder if the changeup and curveball are as good as they looked in small sample sizes because he only threw them about eight to seven percent of the time, and the results or the expected results his changeup he gave up you know pretty bad results, but it's a, such a small sample size and the expected numbers were re- really good. You know, if those two pitches can be better and he can throw them say ten to twelve percent of the time, then the the overall profile gets a little more interesting. I, you know, I do think there are a lot of things to like about him. Um but he got hit too hard last season. That, the, that's the, the long and short of it is that if he's going to get hit that hard then a lot of it doesn't matter all that much.
0: Yeah, he had a five start stretch last year. I think there's some uh, look, there was some unluckiness in terms of the schedule for him. Five starts where he had an f- 8.59 ERA. He had to face the Blue Jays, the Royals, and the Astros three times in a five start stretch. so not really what you want uh, for your no. you know 24 year old. Uh, pitching prospect at that point, uh, Chris. I believe that you have Eduardo Rodriguez as a potential breakout candidate this year. Moves over to the Detroit Tigers, and uh, man, if it's possible to be unlucky for an entire season, Aaron Nola and Eduardo Rodriguez—they just did it. Because man, four seven four ERA. Each of his ERA estimators were three point. I think three point six five or lower. Um, so he was he was awesome. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez. The underlying numbers were awesome. He was not awesome himself. Uh, And obviously now he has this huge park shift going from Boston to Detroit.
2: Yeah, and it's it's tough because there are guys who consistently under or over perform their expected stats or their ERA estimators. And the skill set that would mostly contribute to that would be quality of contact allowed. That's the one thing a lot of these ERA estimators kind of assume just a, a pretty narrow range of quality of contact allowed. And they get the job done for the most part. And that that's something that if a player was going to underperform his expected stats or his ERIS managed by a full run, you know, you would think that he gets hit really hard. That wasn't the case with Eduardo Rodriguez. That's the the interesting thing about him is he was above average in terms of limiting hard contact and limiting barrels and limiting average exit velocity. and a couple of those, he was elite. So, you know, you add that in with the fact that he had good control last season and historically has been about an average control pitcher. And, you know, last season took a big jump in strikeouts, career-high strikeout rate, but has typically been well above average as well. And you look at all those things and you think, the profile suggests he should be a mid to, you know, like a three five to 3.7 ERA guy, and that's mostly what he had been prior to COVID, and then twenty twenty one. So, I like it. I, I think he's a a good bet for a lot of strikeouts. Pretty decent ERA, maybe not, you know, the best WHIP, and maybe not the best, uh, you know, innings. But I, I think Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be a must start pitcher this season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. He's been much better on the road in his career, too. So 4.0. Yeah, great 0-
2: part shift.
0: 4.04 ERA on the road, 4.29 in Fenway. So even if you're projecting just like a high threes ERA as like his baseline projection, the fact that he's moving from Boston to Detroit, like he might actually just improve as a pitcher. So yeah. I think, you know, like a three five to three eight ERA for him where he's going as the what, 48 starting pitcher off the board. With over a strikeout per inning? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'm with you. Um, Scotty, the last name in this group, Sonny Gray, 166.4 is the ADP, and he was not great last year. Uh, strikeouts were still very good, but the ERA, the whip, not great. He dealt with back, groin, rib issues, and uh, I, I think with Sonny Gray, we kind of got a Luis Castillo thing going on with him where for the past couple of seasons, I think we just overvalued him and... <laughs> Now the ADP has maybe gone too far the other way. What do you think? Has the SP forty nine off the board?
1: <sighs> man, I am so over Sonny Gray. <laughs> I'm so over it. Like he, his whole career has been this roller coaster ride, and I'm always out at the wrong time. I was, I'm always in at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, I've gone in hard for him before, including just two years ago, and uh, yeah, it's um, I I. I don't know. I I just don't think the upside is enough to invest that much in him. I guess is is ultimately what it comes down to. He could be pretty usable. He 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 will be at least streamable. So you know, I I don't think there's much much risk of you drafting him and and then just dumping him unless there's an injury situation. Uh, but yeah, I would not I would not have hope for him being like a really steady part of your rotation.
0: Yeah, I, look, he's dealt with enough injuries at this point. The whip, I, I I, feel comfortable saying the whip is going to actively hurt you. The strikeouts should still be really good. And I'll point out, 10 starts before he went on the IL in June, he was pretty good. 3.42 ERA, almost 12 strikeouts per nine in those first 10 starts and just the, did not look the same once he returned from injury.
1: The strikeouts per inning should, will probably be pretty good. Right. But then, you know, He's a small guy and he has not shown much durability over the years, so, so just add that on top of everything else.
0: All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but uh, before we do that, bit of a programming update. We will have podcast for you each Monday through Saturday now in the month of March. I know Scott's probably freaking out. No, Scott, we're not going to record a, a podcast on Friday nights. Uh, but <laughs> that Saturday episode will always be a mailbag. So if you have questions, continue to send them in. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com or leave a five-star rating on Apple and drop a question in the review uh, if you want us to answer your question. So again, yeah, podcast coming up Monday through Saturday throughout the course of March and... Hopefully, we have a season to talk about by the time April rolls around. Uh, We're going to take a break when we return. More ADP here on Fantasy Baseball Today.
1: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, technology,
0: All right, let's move a little bit quicker through these these next two groups. Five more going between picks 171 and 192, which are rounds 15 through 17, and it includes Mike Clevenger at 171, Michael Kopech at 171.8, Adam Wainwright at 172, Marcus Stroman at 175.2. Uh, Chris, we spoke about Severino. We're kind of in a similar situation with Mike Clevenger. He had Tommy John surgery in November of 2020, so... By March, he will be 16 months removed from Tommy John. By April, you know, that will be 17 months. So kind of got a bit of a Justin Verlander thing going on here with Clevenger where he's had enough time. It's just what do we expect from him this season? And to that you would say, blank.
2: Uh I'm not sure, because he's <laughs> been he had been steadily improving as a pitcher, uh, basically three straight years, but that 2019 season had a lot of injuries itself. Obviously, then the the Tommy John surgery. So, we just don't know what he's going to look like coming back from Tommy John surgery. We we generally assume guys are going to look more or less like themselves, but we don't really know who Mike Clevenger is more or less. You know, his his velocity had jumped three straight seasons before the injury. Was that be, was the injury because of that, or was it you know just unrelated? Impossible to say. So, I do think. There's a lot of upside with Mike Clevenger. I think he he's someone who does a good job of limiting hard contact and and you know should be a decent bet to outperform his peripherals. I just don't know whether those peripherals will be low fours or mid threes. Um, but this is the perfect like this stretch of the draft is where you should be taking chances on yeah. guys like that. You know you you don't you shouldn't be looking for guys who you should have your rotation anchors by now and so. You know, whether you want to take like Adam Wainwright, I think is fine in this range, but if you're looking for league winning, perhaps upside, I, I, I think Mike Clevenger potentially does have that, maybe Michael p- Kopeck. Um, although Adam Wainwright, obviously, if he pitches the way he does, has the last two seasons, uh, he's going to once again be one of the best p- values at pitcher.
1: But he was top 10, Wainwright was in both points leagues and. But he 5, doesn't exactly. have the, like, 11K per nine. No, he doesn't, players. but he's
2: good three enough RA. to be up 10. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think uh, just, just based on a skills expectation that Clevenger and Kopech should have more upside on a per-inning basis, but I think the deeper the league that you play in, the more likely you should be to take someone like Adam Wainwright or Marcus Stroman. Because yeah. if you play in a 15-team league and you're getting these guys as, you know, your SP4 or... What SP4, SP5, like, you know, to get someone that's going to provide you quality innings that late in a draft, it's, it's, it's a very valuable commodity. So. I,
1: I think it's ridiculous where Wainwright's going. He's, he's another one of my favorite pitchers to draft. I would say my three favorite pitchers to draft, they're all ancient, are <laughs> Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, and Adam Wainwright. Because y- you start with just the fact that, like I said, top 10 in both formats last year. Whatever lack of upside uh, people claim he has, It wasn't enough to keep him out of the top 10 last year. Uh, And he was exactly the same in 2020. We didn't give him much credit then because it was like a... How many starts was it? Like a dozen or something? But now it's... uh, It's like forty two starts starts
2: over the past two seasons.
1: 42 starts over the past two seasons where he's been low threes ERA, uh, a whip right above one. And, you know, the K per nine... About seven point five during that stretch, not good, not good at all. But he's shown over forty-two starts that he can succeed in spite of that, and, and the way he piles up innings, it's going to add up to a usable uh, K total, even if the the K per nine isn't good. So, I love drafting him. I'm uh, because basically nobody gives him any credit, and yeah, he's forty. Maybe he falls off, but like, I feel like that is i I feel like that maybe is is not as uh as big of a red flag as Logan Gilbert or Sonny Gray or even even eduardo rodriguez frankly i'm I'm not sure I share the enthusiasm you guys do for eduardo Rodriguez because it's like what is he We're hopeful he can rebound sure a lot of the underlying numbers say he can, but what is he rebounding to? He's rebounding to basically what Sean Minai was last year. So, I don't know. I'd rather go for the guy who was top 10 last year, personally.
0: I I hear you, Scott. I, last point on Eduardo Rodriguez. If he regresses to the skills that he had when he was like a 3.8 ERA pitcher in Boston, if he pitches that same exact way in Comerica, that's probably going to lead to like a 3.6 ERA, in my opinion, just because he's in a, in a much
1: better venue. It could. Yeah, it could.
2: The thing I would, about Wainwright I would still is bet on
1: Wainwright being better.
2: You have to the, the bet with Wainwright, and I, I like at this point in the draft, I don't think there's any such thing as a bad bet. Like even if you don't think Michael Clevenger is going to stay healthy or any of that, like it, this point in the draft is where you're taking the shots. The thing with Wainwright is you're betting on him being an outlier at the thing that is hardest to know whether someone is actually good or not, and that's with Babbitt. Basically. He's had a like a two fifty Babip combined over the past two seasons. It's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that he's just turned himself into a ninetieth percentile Babip guy in the second mm-hmm. in the later stage of his of his career. And, you know, if he does that, then yeah, he probably will be a low three Z R A guy. But if he's a three hundred Babip guy, you're probably dropping him. That's fair. But it's probably also true that you could be dropping Mike Clevenger because he gets hurt in two starts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like Clevenger in this range, too, for what it's worth. I, I do like Wayne Ray more. Uh, but your, so I your guess expectation
2: don't at this point in the draft should be that a bad three-week stretch could lead you to dropping any pitcher here. Sure. True.
0: Uh, Wainwright, true. what I'll point out with the Babbitt again, that defense, the defense behind him, I think they had like three or four Gold Glovers on that defense yeah. last year. So, yeah, like like we saw with Kyle Hendricks for years, where he was able to outperform uh, his expected numbers. I, I think we might be seeing that from Adam Wainwright right now, just based on his defense and, and the division that he pitches in. He gets to face the Pirates. He gets to face the Cubs. So, um, overall, at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I know, I know, it's he's old, boring, whatever. I'll take a shot on it. Can I make sure we talk about
2: Michael Kopech before we move on? Yes, please do. I know we wanted to move faster, but Michael Kopech, I know he mostly worked in relief last season, and, and so it's hard to know how that's going to translate to a full-time starting role, but he looked every bit like a front-line ace starter last season, or a front-line ace pitcher, at least. We don't know if he'll be able to do that over 150 innings, let alone 180, but... He did everything you want. He did an excellent, exceptional job of limiting hard contact. He did an exceptional job of getting strikeouts and whiffs. He had four different pitches that looked like whiff, uh, big-time whiff pitches. Obviously, the sample size is small on a couple of those, but the fastball slider combination alone is uh, looked pretty devastating. So I do think there is like some right-handed Chris Sale potential here.
0: I'll point out that the projections on Fangraphs have him basically all of them have him for either twenty two or twenty three starts. I will take the under. I'll take the under on all of those. I think he's going to bounce back and forth. I know he's going to start the season in the rotation. That's what they've said so far. But there is a quote from their general manager Rick Hahn where they talked about they want him fresh for October. They're trying to make a deep run in the postseason, mm-hmm. uh, and and they want him available at that point in the season. They they want him fresh. So I think you know maybe we see something like. 15 or 16 starts and then he moves over to the bullpen and some kind of multi-inning role or long relief role, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely take the under on, on 22 starts this season for Michael Kopeck personally. Scott?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I think I'd take the under two, but it, 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 it comes down to me, it, for me, whether his innings come in a bunch of three, four inning starts. Yeah. Or whether they're five, six inning starts that just have a big gaps in between them, because you know three, four inning starts are pretty useless. No Is he how Trevor long.
2: Rogers last season? That yeah.
1: would be really useful. Yeah, right.
0: I think in general, I'd rather have him in a categories league. I, he has RP eligibility, yes. so obviously you can use him as a spark. But uh, I think more so in as a ro- in a roto league or in a head to head categories league as, as like one of those swingman arms in, in your in your rotation. Uh, yeah, I. I I think he's better uh, better used that way. Scotty, last two names here, Marcus Stroman and Hyunjin Ryu. Stroman now with the Chicago Cubs. I, I think that he is also very undervalued, someone that consistently uh, outperforms his underlying numbers as well. But, uh, man, he made some changes last year. He got more swinging strikes. He always gets a really
1: uh, a good amount of ground balls as well. So
0: uh, I like Stroman yeah. here. I'm a little bit more worried about Hyunjin Ryu.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a lot worried about Ryu. I'm. I'm not really giving him any chance of bouncing back this year, uh, because, I mean, the he just he just looked done. There, he reached a point. I think it was in June, and the strikeout rate went down, and it never came back. And he's, you know, he turns 35 this year. He's had a lot of wear and tear over the years, and I'm just. I'm just not. I, I just don't have much hope for a rebound. I've I've written guys off too soon. Adam Wainwright. I didn't think he had anything left. And the last two years obviously changed that. But I just don't. I just don't uh, have any motivation to draft Ryu whatsoever. Um, the other one. Who was the other one? Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we have a pretty good idea who Stroman is at this point. You you mentioned a pitch mix last year helped him. Miss a few more. Well, you know, the strikeout, right? the caper nine wasn't really any better. The whip was definitely better. And as one of those high ground ball guys who doesn't miss a lot of bats, you, you'd expect the whip to be on the high side. Historically, it has been. I like him more in points leagues than Roto for that reason. A, strikeouts aren't rewarded as much in points leagues. And, and B, you know whip, whip isn't uh, directly scored in, in points leagues either. What was weird though is, you know, the, for Stroman, the whip of the RA improved, improved, and that's great, but like he did not pitch deep into games at all. That's part of the reason why he had a 10 and 13 record. I mean, the Mets weren't great last year, but 10 and 13 record because he was, uh, he averaged 5.4 innings per start. It's not great. It's not great. Signing with the Cubs, hopefully they'll use him a little more. The Blue Jays previously let him work deeper into games. Um, Cubs defense probably isn't going to be very good though. Oh, that's a good point, too.
2: Yeah, and they're not going to win right. many, and their offense isn't going to be good.
0: Frankie two hits. What about Frankie two gloves?
2: Yeah, that would I, make I throwing <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah, it uh- <laughs> certainly would. Fielding percentage might be pretty good, but right. Yeah,
0: um, which, yeah. which Strowman's got look, he didn't pitch in 2020, so I, I think that's probably why they had a quicker leash with him. On a per inning basis, it on could a per start be, basis, but rather. you know,
1: it's not like that was a widespread thing across the league. So yeah, that's that's just a guess. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Base- I mean, I, look, he's 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 decidedly middle tier as well, and doesn't have the strikeout upside of a Manaya or a Onovaldi. I'd so, rather take
2: the the chance on Hyunjin Ryu figuring out what he had for four straight years before last season.
1: Okay, do so you have a little more hope for him, or
2: yeah? Well, it just you just don't. You just don't. I see don't have like a specific reason to have hope. It's just like the track record was so consistent and so long that it's like, at his best, he's been a lot better than Marcus Stroman, sure. and it was one season. So like, I'll take the chance that he figures something.
0: Okay. There was a report that. Uh, Ryu was separated from his family for quite some time due to COVID, and you know he was pitching in all these different locations—Buffalo, Florida, and eventually Toronto—and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he was separated from his fa- from his family in Korea, so uh, definitely could have affected him on, on a personal level. So, thought I'd point that out with uh, Hyunjin Ryu. We have five more starting pitchers going between picks 192 and 205. Trevor Bauer 193.4 is the ADP. Tarek, Tarek Skubal at 196. Noah Syndergaard 199.2. John Means, business, maybe, 202. And then Jose Urquidy with an ADP of 205. I'll point out quickly with Trevor Bauer, it came out in early February that Trevor Bauer will not face charges for his alleged sexual assault. Um, Of course, he still could face a suspension by Major League Baseball or the Dodgers, for that matter. It's completely up in the air. Yes, it is weird to talk about Trevor Bauer's fantasy value, given what happened, obviously. Uh, So if anyone listening or watching, if you want to avoid Trevor Bauer... That's perfectly fine. But eventually we have to talk about Trevor Bauer, the baseball player. So uh, that is where we're at now.
2: And the problem there is we don't know any more than you do. You being the listeners. Like w- The question I don't think is, is tr- will Trevor Bauer be good if he pitches? I think everybody believes he will be. Uh, the, the question is whether and how much he will be allowed to pitch. And we don't know we have no idea and we don't know like there's no this isn't a situation where we have any better of an idea than you do the listeners so like mm-hmm. I think it'll the, the question just comes down to your personal level of risk tolerance yeah. and I can't tell you what your personal level of risk tolerance because I have no idea what the chances are that he's not going to play like Sam Dyson mm-hmm. was suspended for 162 games when no charges were filed so there is precedent for that. So I have a lot of trouble bringing myself to draft him for personal reasons, but even just for from a fantasy perspective, like I, he's been sitting at like close to the top of the Rasball rankings for a while, and I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it. Just from a pure like, I don't know if he's going to be allowed to pitch. My my guess is he's still going to have a lengthy suspension this season.
0: Right, yeah, and it's not like you're going to be able to stash him on your IL or anything yeah. like that, so keep that in mind. Chris, I, I, yeah. I'll just point out, you know, you said this about other pitchers, you know, at this point in the draft, you kind of treat everyone as, I might drop this guy in three mm-hmm. weeks anyway, so based on the upside of a Trevor Bauer, sure. I mean, you could you could take that chance, but uh, again, we just we don't know what's going on with him right now. Uh, Scotty, between this group, Bauer, Skubel, Syndergaard, John Means, and Jose Arquiti, do you have like one or two names here that you find yourself gravitating towards?
1: I I think I'd be okay taking Bauer to like, this is right about the range where I'd be okay doing it. Cindergaard is the third of the Tommy John. Well, I guess it's really a quartet, but I feel like Verlander's in a different class from the others. Cindergaard, Clevenger and Severino. A little surprising. Cindergaard trails the others by so much, but you know, his his last healthy season, he didn't look so hot and the strikeout rate had been on decline for a while. He was, you know, still pretty good, but he wasn't like ace caliber. Uh, so I I get it. He's my least favorite of the three, but I, I don't know. I, he's fine here, I guess. John Means is the, the one I want to talk the most about because obviously he was one of my favorites heading into last season. Uh, went bananas with the strikeouts at the end of the shortened 2020 season, like a five, six start stretch. Uh, and got off to a brilliant start last season, had that no-hitter early on. And then, you know, missed some time with an injury. When he returned, the strikeout stuff wasn't really there, and he's an extreme flyball guy. And I just figured, you know, AL East, Camden Yards, Homer Friendly Park, not missing enough bats. Like, I don't know. I, I was prepared to fade him until the news came out that they're moving back the fences in left field 30 feet and raising the height of the fences too from seven feet to 12. I mean, that's a pretty significant change in its own right. And it's like the whole left field fence and means of course, is a left-handed pitcher. So it's mostly right-handed hitters. He's going to be facing that he has to worry about. So like, because of that, his fly ball tendencies, if, 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 if that ends up playing the way I think it's going to, and it looks like, Camden Yards is now one of the worst places for a right-handed hitter to hit. John Means' fly ball rate goes from being a weakness to a strength. A lot of those fly balls are just going to be outs. You just look at his home ERA versus his away ERA last year. It was uh, 284 on the road versus 462 at home. I mean, don't want to oversimplify it, but that kind of hints at, at, at how much pitching at Camden Yards hurt him, at least. And if, if, if the... If the park plays differently now, I don't know. I think I think him being such a good control pitcher, and uh, and going very likely to have such a low batting average against because of all the fly balls, he could end up being he could end up being really good last year. I don't have much hope for strikeouts anymore, but you know, if it's eight and a half per nine, that that'd probably be good enough.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty interested in John Means myself. I would be remiss not to mention that. Uh, His first 12 starts came before the Sticky Substance, and there was a video that surfaced of like his hand sticking to his glove. Uh, There was always going to be regression last year. You have to realize that. His first 12 starts, while he had a 2.28 ERA, his XFIP was 4 on the dot. So no matter what, he was always going to regress. However, once he returned, his final 14 starts, the swinging strike rate plummeted. It went down like 4 percentage points, which is pretty massive. So uh, I'm with you, Scott. I'm interested, but just thought I would mention that Chris the other two okay. names here that we haven't really talked about Terek Skubal and Jose Urquidy do they kind of live on opposite ends of the spectrum because uh, Skubal seems like he should have all this strikeout upside and ability he allows a lot of hard contact and Jose Urquidy is basically the opposite
2: one with John means I just want to throw in a, a little dig here uh, mm. I don't know how excited I can be when the case for him is essentially like he could be Marco Estrada um, we had to Marco get, Estrada had some great years he had a couple of good seasons <laughs> we had and to get, you know we had to get, get at, at least one Marco Estrada reference exactly so.
0: we had to get one in there
2: <laughs> um, look in theory you can see Tarek Skubel like figuring something out and becoming a much better pitcher than he was last season but it really seems like he just has a, a, a fastball that is just bad uh, just doo-doo is that okay to say? Is that okay to say? <laughs> I'm leaving
0: um, it in, but just to point just out how bad uh, it was,
1: awful, awful fastball, which f- is crazy because that was supposed to be like his <laughs> carrying pitch. He had a yeah, he's a, a 13 413,
0: 413 Woba against the fastball last year. Yeah. Basically, every hitter was Vlad Junior against the fastball,
1: mm, and
2: I and could. like bad. This is one of those things where I wonder if like the left-hander who throws hard thing, like we give a little too much credit to lefties. Like it's still, you know, you still have to have a good pitch. Um It wasn't nearly that bad in 2020, obviously smaller sample size. So you, you give weight to the smaller, to the larger sample size of 2021. You know what the wild thing is? The 418 Woba suggests that he had some good luck with his fastball because it was a 429 expected Woba. that's 92 mile per hour, average exit velocity, 19 degree average launch angle. That's basically like what Mike Trout's average launch angle and average exit velocity are. It's, and the sinker was just as bad. So it's not like you can turn around and say, well, he can just throw the sinker instead of the four seamer. Like it was just as bad. So I, I don't know what the plan is there to get, get around such an issue like that, especially when like, he doesn't. He hasn't settled on what his secondary pitch mix is going to be. He was alternating between a splitter and a changeup. Uh, it's not clear like which of his breaking balls. So, I just there are a lot of situations where like, oh, this guy's one tweak away. Or like John means well if he gives a few home runs and with with Scooble, it's like a Rube, Rube Goldberg machine almost mm-hmm. where like you need like a hundred different little widgets and things to like fall at exactly the right time and maybe he can turn into the the like I like the the talent, but I was very discouraged by his 2021.
0: Yep. I'll quickly point out with Jose Architi, I do find him interesting in this range. 205 80 uh ADP here. He battled some shoulder issues in May and July, limited him to just 107 innings. Uh that's basically been the, the biggest issue with uh with Jose Architi is that he hasn't been able to stay on the mound. But In his career, he's been very good and is is awesome at um, outperforming his his peripheral numbers. So uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of uh, Jose Urquidy. Let's move on to sleepers, breakouts, and busts here before we hit some more ADP and we wrap it up. Scotty, sleepers, however many you got. I don't know, two, three, five, (laughs) ten?
1: I don't know. Uh, Well, I already mentioned Charlie Morton and Justin Verlander are my favorite two pitchers to draft. Um, I do like... Three old guys at the end of the draft too: Kyle Hendricks, Zach Greinke, and Carlos Carrasco.
2: How crazy I, is it that we haven't mentioned Zach Greinke and we're an
1: hour into the third part of the starting preview? It's, pit, it's crazy, preview. but that's yeah. that's because the bot like nobody is drafting them, and 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 like I I don't I don't get it. Given the track record those three have, like. They have they have one down year and we're just gonna com- cast them aside like that. It's it's weird to me. It's weird. Yeah. It, and in the case of well, really in the case of all three, there wasn't a clear diminishment of skill. Like none of them really lost velocity. Um, e- even even Carrasco, who who is uh, you know we think of as the the power pitcher of the three of them, his slider didn't have as much bite. He missed a lot of time with a hamstring injury. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a hurried buildup to, to get back for a short stretch of time, I think a couple months to end the season. Uh, so you could kind of understand why his slider maybe wasn't as effective. And you know, when he was having his leukemia battle in 2019, you know, that that's really the only other blemish on his track record performance wise. So the two years where he was dealing with injury performance suffered greatly. But understandably, I think, and in between that 2020 season, he was still awesome. He had an ERA below three. His last six starts, especially, it was just pitched out of his mind. Um, and then Hendricks, uh, of course, like he had a seven-year stretch with like a 3.12 ERA prior to last year. So, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, those are three of my favorite pitchers to draft. Usually, toward the very end of the draft. I also want to mention Alex Cobb here because we haven't talked about him yet. I just think he and the Giants are a match made in uh, in heaven, basically. Like, I was going to like Cobb as a sleeper no matter where he ended up because he had a X XFIP last year that would have ranked 10th among qualifiers. Got a lot of ground balls with the splitter, career best swinging strike rate. You know, looked like he took a big step forward last year that, you know, just because of the baseball variants, um, and, and, and he missed some time with an injury. The numbers weren't quite where we wanted them to be. But going to the Giants, who've had so much success uh, with uh, with those forgotten pitching talents like Gosman, of course, most famously, a splitter guy himself, also Descalfani, Alex Wood, even Drew Smiley for a brief stretch there. Uh, I, th- I think it could be a big year for Alex Cobb. Agree.
0: Yeah, right there with you on Alex Cobb. By the way, all, all four of those pitchers you mentioned, Hendricks, Carrasco, Granke, and Alex Cobb, they're all going between picks 252 and 295. So we're talking about late round starting pitchers in most 12-team leagues. Uh Obviously, they'll they'll be ranked higher than that in, in, uh, in deeper leagues, but man, yeah, these guys, uh, I'm with you, Scott, for the most part. Uh, I'm in, man. Kyle Hendricks, you mentioned 174 starts before last year, 3.12 ERA, one one oh WHIP for Hendricks. I, I think we
1: should sell a T-shirt that says "I'm with you, Scott," because that's like that's like the thing you say most often on the podcast. I feel like, is it? Which I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's, it's good to have somebody with me, right? But it's funny. All
0: right. Well, Chris, let's find out if I can uh, if I can be with you based on your sleeper <laughs> pick.
2: I would hope so. Um, but you know, you guys have a special relationship and I I don't want
1: to, uh, I don't want (laughs) to intrude on that. Um, I mean, part of it is just because I'm on with just Frank a lot of the time. And so
2: I thought you meant like, I'm on, like, like (laughs) I'm I'm just so good. That's where I thought Scott Uh, was going with it too. (laughs) uh, No, I just have Avril Lavigne's power ballad. I'm with you stuck in my head, just going over and over. Um, my sleeper, my favorite sleeper starting pitcher is Patrick Sandoval. Um, you could argue that he should be a breakout, these terms That's, are fluid yeah. and it doesn't matter. He's really on my matter. breakout list. <laughs> uh, but the the calling the, the the main thing with Patrick Sandoval is he just he has a pitch in his changeup that might be one of the best pitches in baseball by any pitcher. It's it's he started throwing it more last season, it became his most used pitch at 30% usage. And it had a 51% whiff rate and a 221X Woba with a 213 Woba. It's unbelievable at limiting hard contact. It had an 84 per mile per hour average exit velocity in 2020, 83 mile per hour in 2021. Huge whiff numbers every season. And, you know, he's he was a prospect of some regard. He wasn't a, a huge prospect, but it's not like. Patrick Sandoval pitching well last season came completely out of nowhere, and the underlying numbers back up the 3.62 ERA. Now he only did in 87 innings because of injuries, but I think Patrick Sandoval is a really talented pitcher with one of the better put away pitches in baseball. It's also a pitch that he can throw to get weak contact, and yeah, I love uh, love 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 drafting Patrick Sandoval this season. Hey, Chris. You, I'm with you,
1: buddy. We're all in on oh, Patrick <laughs> Sandoval. We're all in, baby. Well,
2: I you're, more, you're more with me because Scott's with me.
1: Right. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> you mentioned the 362 ERA he had. As a starter, 13 starts in all, he had a 312 ERA on the 106 whip. And obviously, he had a 30, he had a start last year. Sandoval did 30. Most, most swinging strikes
2: in the league last year in a single start.
1: Did you mention that already?
2: No, no, I just, I'm, I'm okay. backing you up. I'm with you. Yeah, okay.
1: All right, we're I'm all with we're you, all, Scott. We're
2: all we're with you, with Scott. Scott. <laughs>
0: That's great. Right. Uh, yeah, look, I, I agree. Sandoval is going to be one of my breakout picks. The 15% swinging strike rate that he had in his 14-start uh, stretch, that was second most in baseball behind only Corbin Burns. So, just massive upside there. Sleepers for me, I mentioned Sean Manaya earlier in the show. I just, I think he's more undervalued than anything. John Gray... I really don't have anything statistically to say about John yeah. Gray outside of the fact that he's just getting out of Coors Field and he's moving to a park in Texas that has played more neutral since they've opened up Globe Life Field, even, you know, maybe even favoring pitchers a little bit. I still just think that there's talent in there. Mid 90s fastball, awesome slider. I'm in. I'm in on John Gray.
2: Just weirdly hasn't been better on the road than at home. That's the only thing that gives me pause. But otherwise, yeah.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the like, to broaden the argument on John Gray, though, and it's it feels like kind of a long shot because he's been in the league for so long, but Coors field messes you up, man like it it's not it, he's not the same pitcher uh he was not the same pitcher last year that he was coming out of University of Oklahoma, okay, that got him drafted third overall or whatever it was. You have to. He he had to. He had to really simplify his arsenal to survive Coors Field, and then he of course took that on the road with him. So you know, could getting out of Coors Field help him recapture the form that made him this like otherworldly pitching talent coming out of college? It's a long shot, but there's some hope, I think. Yeah, there's some hope. hope. I mean, Mike Hampton figured it out again after leaving Colorado, and uh, I think maybe John Gray could too. It's yeah. all about hope.
0: Let's do it. John Gray, I have hope. I have faith in you, buddy. And Alex Cobb was the other sleeper I wanted to mention. Uh, obviously, Scotty, you broke him down already. Let's go to breakouts at starting pitcher. Chris, who you got?
2: I've had a really hard time <clears throat> with breakouts at starting pitcher, um, but I'll go with Eduardo Rodriguez. I just, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, I just think this is prime to be his best season ever, getting out of Boston, getting into a better uh, pitching environment. And just the 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 improvements that he made last season. And it's worth pointing out, you know, he pitched last season after having myocarditis after uh, uh, contracting COVID during the 2020 season. So, you know, who knows what impact that had on him. He, you know, given that context, he might've pitched even better than we should have expected. So I just think Eduardo Rodriguez is, is set up for a career season.
0: All right, Scotty, who you got breakouts at starting pitcher? (laughs)
1: okay so Blake Snell Pablo Lopez Ranger Suarez we've already talked about John Means we've already talked about Patrick Sandoval we've already talked about so I'm going to say Joe Ryan is one I haven't talked about him yet and Tony Gonsolin I think we're about to talk about Ryan in a minute here so I'll focus on Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers and uh Yeah, this is his chance. This is the chance we've been waiting for. Last year at this time, there was some debate whether it was going to be Dustin May or Julio Rias or Tony Gonsolin who stepped up for the Dodgers. It ultimately ended up being a Rias, Dustin May, took a big step forward too, but then had Tommy John surgery. Tony Gonsolin really never got the chance because he was dealing with a shoulder injury early on and he was in and out of the rotation. There wasn't room for him. There were there using him in this kind of swing man role. Really, nobody has a chance to get comfortable. Um, and he ended up not living up to expectations, but mostly because of walks. Like, the ERA was still low threes. And when he came back from the shoulder injury, he had, let me look it up here, he had a 15.1% swinging strike rate in the final month, which is, you know, like Garrett Cole-like. So... He's got this great splitter slider combo that able to pile up swinging strikes with it, and like I said, the Dodgers need him more than ever. Max Scherzer's gone. We think Clayton Kershaw's gone. There's a good chance Trevor Bauer's gone. Like they have holes in their rotation now, and Tony Gonsolin is the obvious choice to fill it. And even with last year's semi disappointment, 142 thirds. 142 and a third innings as a major leaguer. Tony Gonzalez has a 2.85 ERA, 109 WHIP, 9.4 K per nine. I would certainly take that, especially with the Dodgers lineup backing it.
0: Especially you know, with an ADP of 282.8 oh.
2: for Gonzalez. But go ahead, Chris. You mentioned Dustin May. I just want to point out sleeper. If your if your league has unlimited IL spots or are really deep IL spots may not be back until the second half of the season but he looked so good awesome. in the limited time we saw him last season. He looked like he was making an absolute like he could be Sandy Alcantara. You know, that kind of pitcher.
0: Yeah, definitely a name to keep in mind in keeper leagues too where if you draft him late you can keep him just as late the following season or if you get him for cheap in your your auction salary cap league, you can keep mm-hmm. him for cheap the next yep. year just you know, and don't, draft him late and just stash him and sit and on he him. He looked
2: like a, he looked monstrous last season.
1: Don't forget about Tyler Glass now for the same reason. Yes. But yep. I don't expect to see Glass now at all this year, but you don't yeah. want to forget about him in those long term leagues.
0: Yeah, there were a few other names like that. Uh, Steven Strasberg, you can stash Mike Soroka. Kentamaeda is another one. He'll, you know, probably won't be yeah, back at all this holds, season, but,
1: but
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, names to, to keep in mind there. Breakouts for me Patrick Sandoval, I'm with you, Chris on Patrick Sandoval. Uh, L- <laughs> Logan Gilbert.
1: I made it awkward, didn't
0: I? No, no, it's cool. Uh, Logan Gilbert, I spoke about him earlier. Uh, again, like, he had a great fastball. Eighth best, according to pitch values on Fangraphs. It was better than Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, Sandy Alcantara. A- and then the the secondary is grayed out very well with uh, in, in is, terms of swinging strike rates. So yeah, I think everything, everything him, is there for Gilbert.
2: He is massive. Six foot six, yep. Logan Gilbert. And has huge extension on his pitches. He has like his release point is like seven point two feet from the pitching rubber, which is I'm looking at Tristan McKenzie, who's who's an inch shorter, and his extension is you know quite a bit shorter, about half an or half a foot. So just tells you like Logan Gobert gets on top of you.
0: Oh, for as sure. A, as a header. that helps it. Like he throws ninety-five, but he's six foot six, so ninety-five looks yeah. even faster. Probably looks, you know, hundred miles per hour. Tristan McKenzie, name that you just mentioned as well, Chris. Uh, I have oh, him, I was looking him up. as a breakout as well. Uh, his first ten starts last year were awful. He averaged over eight walks per nine. That has never been an issue for Tristan McKenzie in his career. He's had strong control, minors, majors heading into last season. So, I think it was a little bit fluky. His velocity was down during that stretch as well. Mm-hmm. He returned retur- later on in the year. A 10-start stretch where he had a 2.96 ERA, a 0.73 whip, just about 13% swinging strike rate, and he typically is a fantastic whip pitcher because he doesn't allow a lot of hits. He's a fly ball pitcher, uh, but that comes with you know a low walk total usually, and he's got a 199 batting average against since the start of 2020. So... I am in on Tristan McKenzie. Just kind of trust the Cleveland organization because they do a great job developing pitchers. He's got to stay healthy. If he does, I think he could have a massive season.
2: But the fact that his fastball velocity was up in the second half of the season is huge because that was the concern for him yep. in 2020 when his fastball velocity dipped towards the end.
0: Yep, he averaged. So I mentioned the first 10 starts where he struggled, 91.4 on the fastball. His final 14 starts, 92.7. So, up quite a bit there. Uh, bust that starting pitcher. Let's quickly run through these. Scott, who you got?
1: Much shorter list here. I mentioned Trevor Rogers on yesterday's show. I'm just a little skeptical there. Um, Zach Gallen is, is probably the, the the pitcher I'm most avoiding. Uh, just given the way his effectiveness dropped after returning from that elbow sprain that he suffered in May. Uh like the swinging strike rate especially like he just didn't have the same bite on his pitches. I think Tommy John surgery is around the corner for him. And I just you know, there's a point where I'd take him but somebody always takes him before I get to that point. Uh and then Lance McCullers for similar reasons. I mean, we talked about him on uh part 2 of starting pitcher preview too. Just uh his is his is more of a forearm muscle issue, right? But it, it sounds like he recently revealed like the bone <laughs> the muzzle was detached from the bone when it initially happened. And I just don't think his uh return to form uh is going to go as smoothly as we were originally led to believe. There are there are similar pitchers that come with much less risk. And I just McCullers would really have to fall to the end of drafts, I think, for me to take a shot on him.
0: I updated my rankings earlier today, and I believe I lowered Lance McCullers to like SP70 in the rankings. So 71 for me. Basically yeah. just saying I'm not going to draft him anywhere close to his current ADP, which it should fall
1: now. Yeah, um, I mean, if everybody does that, I, I do think we could get to a point where I'm talking about McCullers as a sleeper at that point. But yeah. it, it's It's going to have to be pretty late.
0: Alright, Chris, who you got? Bust at starting pitcher.
2: Shane Bieber, because of the shoulder injury and the fact that he gets hit so hard, I just I, I can see things going really south for him. But the the one I, I think that is that I'm a little stronger about is Logan Webb. I feel like people have just gotten way too high off of the last 17 starts that he made last season while forgetting that one, his minor league track record is just fine. Like it's not terrible, but three three seven ERA and three hundred four innings one three four one three two four WHIP as a minor leaguer for Logan Webb, and then yes, those seventeen starts were awesome last season, and you know a couple of postseason starts that I think are really uh, helping his case in a lot of people's minds as well. But last season wasn't the first time we saw Logan Webb pitch in the major leagues. You know, we saw him. Make 19 starts between 2019 and 2020. We saw him make nine starts, ten appearances bef- you know, in 2021 before the breakout, and he was bad, like pretty uniformly. And he already over five over those first 27 starts. So we've got a bigger sample size, a mediocre minor league track record, and he's SP 24 in ADP right now, something like that. I I can see liking him. But between the the mediocre track record and the fact that he missed significant time with a shoulder injury last season, I just there are way more ways that this can go wrong for Logan Webb than can go right. So I I think he's a clear avoid at his price.
0: All right, some bust for me at starting pitcher uh, Chris Sale. The swinging strike rate was down last year. I don't know how much I should judge Chris Sale on coming back from Tommy John surgery. There's a real chance that he just. Makes me look foolish here, but uh at that's,
1: the age... That's the, what bus picks do.
0: Yeah, the age, the cost, the changeup was bad, swinging strike rate being down. I'm out on Chris Sale. Luis Castillo, the inconsistency year over year, kills your whip, swinging strike rate, strikeouts were down for him last year. And then Blake Snell, 53 starts from 2019 through July of last year, 4.48 ERA, 138 whip, over four walks per nine. Maybe he's the guy that he was after he... Uh, He ditched a changeup, but I'm not forgetting about those other 53 starts. Well, and that's the thing is,
2: you know, he did simplify the pitch mix and just went slider fastball basically down the stretch. And that could work. But I would also point out to Patrick Corbin, who is older and doesn't throw as hard as Blake Snell. But Patrick Mm -hmm. Corbin as an example of how very, very slim the margin for error with that kind of approach is. Like, yeah, you can do it. But if hitters adjust – does he have an adjustment left if he can't trust the changeup and the curveball to come back? That's yeah. the concern.
1: Yep. I do like that. Snell gave us renewed hope last year, and this is by far the latest he's been going since his sure. ex- Cy Young season. So mm-hmm. that's why I have him as more of a break. There's out. also and-
2: weird thing with like his arm slot just keeps dropping. It dropped again last season, and even as he started pitching better, it never like recovered. So he's like more of a three quarters guy, where he used to pitch like more overhand. So that Mm. that that also just feels like a potential like is he pitching through something in his shoulder? We know he had the elbow issue at the end of uh, the twenty god eighteen season. Now was that when he won Cy Young? Yep. And then twenty eighteen, yeah, twenty nineteen. I think he had elbow issues as well. So that's a concern.
0: Yep, for sure. All right, so we've got uh, quite a few more pitchers to get through here. Here's what I'll do: uh, we'll I'll throw five names uh, each of your way, and, and then we'll move on to the other person, and, and we'll keep we'll keep swapping here. But let's go through this next group of five: two hundred eight through pick two twenty eight. Patrick Sandoval, uh, we spoke about him quite a bit. Anthony Scafani at pick two hundred nine point four. Tanner Houck at two hundred nine point eight. Joe Ryan at two twenty six point four, and Aaron Savale at pick two twenty eight. Scotty, I'll give you this list because I know you wanted to talk about Joe Ryan as a breakout.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those where it, it doesn't need to be, we don't need to get make it that complicated, okay? his last two minor league seasons, Joe Ryan, so that's 2019 to 2021 because there obviously was no 2020 in the minors. Joe Ryan had a 247 ERA, a .8, I'm trying to talk too fast. He had a 247 ERA, a .82 whip, and 13 strikeouts per nine innings, and then after reaching the majors last year in five starts, basically did a lot of the same things. The ERA ended up 4.05 because the last start was pretty bad, but .79 whip, 30 strikeouts in 26 and two-thirds innings. There's a lot of skepticism that his the key to his success, which is just like a really deceptive fastball that he hides well, uh, that that's going to work in the majors that it might just be a gimmick but five starts into his career it appears to be working the price isn't that high let's see what happens with joe ryan i also like aaron savali at this price it's i I think it's kind of weird because he was he was kind of a darling pick in uh in in like fantasy analyst circles the last couple years i i wasn't that high on him personally but i don't know what about his 2021 has caused everyone to back off of him. because You know what it is? He's
2: being punished for Zach, please
1: Zach's sins. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really commit sins of his own last year. Yeah. As the was in the high threes, but we're talking about 200 pick here, you know, and, and he, he pitched deep into games. He missed some time with an injury. So the innings total wasn't there, but start for start, he went, he worked deep into games, control artists going to help him whip. uh, you know, the peripherals aren't great, but, I don't know. I, I I think the peripherals were never that great, which is why I wasn't that eye on him. He he continues to to outpitch them, and I think he's I think he's a fine option. Savale so is to round out your rotation.
0: Yeah, I think someone that can give you volume, he could give you wins because he's going to go deep into his starts. Cleveland might not be great, but uh, also give you a strong whip. 1.12 whip last year and a 1.16 for his career. So I do yep. think that Savali will help you out there. Tanner Houck in this group, I think he's kind of like a lesser version of uh, Michael Kopech. So good ratios, lots yeah, of strikeouts.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to get many innings, but yeah, he, he looks like he can miss bats for sure.
0: Anthony Descofani, I'll point out, I'm interested. Just don't Mm -hmm. start him against the Dodgers. He made six starts against the Dodgers last year, 7.33 ERA. His other 25 starts, 2.38. Just start him against everybody, not name the Dodgers. Yeah, I think he's good. Yep. Uh, Five more going from picks 233 to 243. Chris, you'll get this group. Alex Wood, 233.6. Cal Quantrill at 240.4. He also has SPARP eligibility. Jordan Montgomery at 241.8. Herman Marquez at 242.4 and Tristan McKenzie at
2: 243.2. I don't really understand why Alex Wood's going so late. Um, I
0: agree with he, you. He's I want,
2: currently healthy.
0: One of my rules the, is to leave every draft with at least one Giants pitcher, Chris.
2: Yeah, the Giants gave him a $25 million contract this offseason. He passed the physical. His <laughs> underlying numbers mostly matched the fact that he, you know, had a perfectly passable 383 R.A., well, over a strikeout per inning and a good whip. Like, I think, I think Alex Wood would, like, yeah, you're not going to get 200 innings from him, but you're not going to get 200 innings from anyone. If Alex Wood gives you 140, especially not at this range, if Alex Wood gives you 140 innings of his, you know, effectively typical production right now, which is a mid to high three ZRA and, you know, good, good whip and strikeouts, like, that's an obvious value at this price. So I, I think Alex Wood is a great pick here. And I'm always partial to Ramon Marquez. Just, I I think he's a really good pitcher. Who's just being held back by his home park. I know the last year, the splits were, were kind of weird, but I feel like that happens with one home road splits can be noisy. And two, it happens with course field pitchers. Sometimes like Scott said, with John Gray, you have to pitch differently when you're there and that can affect you on the road. I just think it like, what if Ramon Marquez gets traded? I still think he's probably a top 30 starting pitcher if he gets traded somewhere. So I'll take the flyer that maybe I can only use him on the road all season, but maybe I can only use him on the road all you know, for the first three months of the season, and then he's a a stud. So I I like having Armand Marquez, and and I'm I'm with you on the Tristan McKenzie uh, breakout pick, Scott.
0: Uh, How dare you, Chris? Because... How dare you? Uh, Herman Marquez, good luck figuring him out, by the way. He had a three six seven ERA at home last year, 5.38 on the road. So just when you think you got him figured out, he goes out and does that. Uh, Cal Quantrill, really good at uh, hard contact suppression last year. Can he maintain that year over year? Some skepticism, but Cleveland does a good job. Jordan Montgomery, I'll quickly point out, always gets a a lot of swinging strikes. And there is some optimism because he lowered his sinker usage in September and he raised his four-seam usage. His sinker is not a good pitch. So what do we say? Throw your bad pitches less. Throw your good pitches more. Uh, the four seam has been a better pitch for him. So some uh, some optimism for Jordan Montgomery. I've seen that around the industry. Five more going between picks 252 and 268. Kyle Hendricks at pick 252. Waskari Noah, 253.5. Zach Pleasek, uh, 264.4. Casey Mize, 264.4. And Steven Matz at pick 267. Scotty, what do you think about this group?
1: I mean, obviously, I like Kyle Hendricks. I just talked about that. No interest in any of the others. <laughs> Zero interest. Uh, Steven Matz, I mean, his, he might keep the ERA decent enough. He did last year, but the whip will be high. Strikeouts won't be great. Casey Mize, of course, former number one overall pick. Maybe there's some upside there, and he he managed to have a respectable ERA last year, but the underlying numbers were pretty awful, and I'm not... Not really counting on him for much.
0: All right. I will mention with uh, Stephen Matt. obviously I'm all in on the Cardinals rotation at this point for the reasons I continue to mention. Defense, good division to pitch in, obviously. Waskari Noah, if he wins a job with the, with, in the Braves rotation, his underlying numbers were very good last year. So a 3.40 XFIP, a 1.11 whip. He's only got two pitches. He's got a fastball slider. So I don't know how long it's going to last, but... He was really yeah. good last year before he, and you know, I, broke his own hand
1: punching a wall. I do think it's a big if him winning a job because okay. they had rotation holes in the playoffs and he was not. They were not asking him to fill them.
0: All right, five more: Steven Strasburg, John Gray, Tony Tony Gonsolin, Tony. Tani, who's Tony? Tony Gonsolin, Jesus Lazardo, and Aaron Ashby. This group is between two sixty eight and two eighty four. Chris, what do you think about these five?
2: Strasburg is just a complete blindfolded dart throw we have no I mean the track record for guys coming back from the kind of injuries he's had one we don't I mean we have very little track record of the uh, was a carpal tunnel surgery last season
1: oh he he ended up he ended up having thoracic outlet surgery
2: yeah 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 no that that's I was yeah yeah Um, yeah and so
1: yeah carpal tunnel before that yeah
2: the history of I mean Tommy John he's had shoulder injuries he's had carpal tunnel surgery and nope, now he's nope. coming back from thoracic outlet syndrome, which is not a career killer, but it's It's kind of like an Achilles injury in football or basketball where like you can come back from it. Guys have. Mm. I feel like Josh Beckett had a good season after thoracic outlet syndrome. It's not yeah. entirely yeah. impossible, but it's real, real difficult to come back from that. It, it usually portends the start of the end of a player's career. So, yeah. Not super excited about him. Hazel Zuzardo, I, I get the interest. I thought the post-trade production was pretty unencouraging, but I think he's still talented. So, fine late-round pick.
1: I you think Tony Gonsolin... Parts where he really seemed to pop, but yeah, the overall numbers weren't yeah. any better than with the A's.
2: Yeah, I think Tony Gonsolin is the clear prize in this yeah.
1: range.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree on... I agree with you, Scott. I'm I'm in on Tony Conson. Who would have thought, right? Uh, he- Jesus Lizardo is is I'm I'm kind of interested. He threw his slider more down the stretch, and there were some games with results, as you mentioned uh, against the Phillies. His final game of the season, five and a third, one run, zero walk, eleven strikeouts. He had a bunch of swinging strikes yeah. in that game too. So just a the weird Marlins season. Have, a weird season.
2: The Marlins season have all earned around. the benefit of the doubt to yeah. a certain extent.
0: Just a weird season all around for him. Uh, broke his hand. He, like lost in a video game, broke his
1: hand as a result of it. Lost in a video game. He did. It was like a Fortnite situation or something. But uh, yeah, Yeah, like he never was like Colin Hanks and Jumanji. He was lost in a video game playing
2: (laughs) uh, Call of Duty. But, you know, my wife has certainly asked, what is wrong? Why are you yelling? So I (laughs) I can get it. I understand.
0: Oh, Oh, I I shouldn't admit this, but growing up, I, I like I like shattered one of my dressers in two playing video games I it was wow. just mm. like the top drawer I just I punched it and it just like it, it like cracked in two. it was I have never <laughs> had that happen <laughs> uh, I should admit that but yeah uh, I get it I get it Lizardo whatever <laughs> anyway I'm I, I'm still taking a shot on Jesus Lizardo uh, Aaron Ashby there is a lot of hope for him in the industry as well just don't know yep. if he's gonna be in the rotation or not if he is yeah I think he's got filthy stuff but uh, yeah we'll, we'll see with him five yep. going between picks 288 and 296 Alex Cobb, Zach Granke, Josiah Gray, Carlos Carrasco, Drew Rasmussen. Scott, I swear I did not set it, set it up for you to get this group of five, but it just happened that way.
1: Yeah, well, and, and I do want to point out, since Strasburg went around this range too, you notice I didn't include him when I was talking about the value, the way we're writing off Hendrix, Carrasco, and Greinke undeservedly. I think it's deserved in Strasburg's case. I want to mention also for this group, Josiah Gray, um, interesting potential. There showed, showed a lot of strikeout potential with the Nationals after being traded from the Dodgers. Extreme fly ball rate, too. And those home runs um, could keep him from meeting the potential he shows with the strikeouts. At this point in the draft, why not? I mean, I'd rather have Granky, but why not? Uh, but Josiah Gray, um, I'm a little on the fence about him and his future.
0: All right, this next group of five from picks two ninety seven to three thirteen. Christian Javier, Corey Kluber, Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Gibson, and Yusei Kikuchi. Uh Chris, I, I guess there's a chance Javier would start if if Lance McCullers isn't ready for the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, I, I there's not much to get excited about this range. I I think Marco Gonzalez can be fine in like a low end SP five kind of way. So you know, like, I don't know if there's that much difference between him and, like, gosh, I don't know. I was going to say Adam Wainwright, but ain't Wainwright's proven to be better at suppressing hard contact. But, like, Gonzalez can have that kind of season. We've seen it before. Um, Kikuchi, I think, is still really, really talented and really interesting. I just don't know if he's ever going to figure out the pitch mix issues and, you know, the location. And, like, it just... It seems like he's like 95% of the way there at all times, and it's just that last 5% is the hardest part. So, yeah, of, of this group, the mo- the ones I'm most likely to draft would be Yusei Kikuchi and, and Marco Gonzalez.
0: All right, we're coming up on the end here, I swear. Five more. Eric Lauer, Luis Patino, Sixto Sanchez, Bailey Ober, and Jamison Tyone. Uh, Scott, Lauer pitched well last year. Patino, still prospect pedigree, some strikeout ability there. And Bailey Ober a lot like Joe Ryan. He kind of had like this vertical approach angle thing going on last year. Um and he got better down the stretch. So in deeper yeah. leagues, I'm kind of interested in Billy Ober.
1: Yeah, I agree. He gives up a lot of hits, but the control's good enough that he can maybe get away with it and 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 he looked like he'll he, he could miss enough bats uh that, that he could become you know, a halfway decent fantasy option. I I want to mention cuz just a little beyond this group is uh first of all chris paddock Uh, we may be writing him off too soon too um and i I don't have as much hope for those for him as those other three but we may be writing him off so soon his the the actual skill set hasn't changed that much from that impressive rookie year for paddock uh and, and then nestor cortez who was amazing down the stretch for the yankees last year i'm really surprised he's not ranked higher i think he's in line to start to begin the year in the rotation. He's he's one of those guys who, I don't know, kind of Alex would like in that the stuff isn't that impressive, but the results would lead you to believe it is. And so I understand there are questions whether he can sustain it, but he was legitimately great for the Yankees the final couple months of last season.
0: Yeah, they have him penciled in as their SP4 to start the season. Jamison Tyone should be back from ankle surgery you know, some point in... I, mid to late April, maybe May, depending on when the season starts. But yeah, Nestor Cartes, um, lots of deception, moving around on the mound, quick pitching guys, awesome mustache as well. So definitely keep that in mind if, you, know, if you value that in your players. Uh, Chris, are you looking at the rundown by any chance? Yes. All right, so there's like a whole bunch of players that I haven't even mentioned yet, like mm-hmm. 16 more pitchers here. Are there any that stand out to you that are going outside the top 325 that you'd like to mention?
2: Uh, panic. Like Scott mentioned, there's just always the chance for the bounce back. Dylan Bundy. Like this was a dude who was being drafted. What was the top 35 pitcher last season? I, I was skeptical last year, but I don't think he's just like completely finished. Potentially. Denelson, Lemet, another guy who was a top 75 pick until the, the injury concerns really started to creep up. Um, so I'll bet on the talent there at, at you know a, a price like that, and then I think one of my favorite late round picks is uh, Edward Cabrera, Marlins guy, uh, one of the Stallions. He's weird in that he like throws hard, but his fastball is not good, and he doesn't really have a lot of confidence or command of it. But the other pitches, especially the changeup, that's kind of become the Marlins' thing is like teaching these really good changeups to hard throwing <laughs> pitchers. Um, he was arguably a better prospect than Sixto Sanchez. He made five or eight starts or something last season and didn't look very good. I, I still think Edward Edward Cabrera is someone I want to leave my drafts with. Um, you know, especially in fifteen team roto or twelve team roto's where where you got a little deeper bench. All
0: right, yeah, I'll quickly mention Tyler McGill. I, I think the skill set is interesting. He's got three different pitches. He throws mid nineties. He's a, a a bigger guy. He's six uh, foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds, twelve percent swinging strike rate last year. He en- entirely gave up too many home runs, but mm-hmm. uh, I think given the you know question marks, a lot of injury concerns in the Mets' rotation, uh, I'm kind of interested in Tyler McGill and and he just goes so late in drafts. So uh, Scott, anyone else here outside the top three twenty five on this list?
1: Uh, I'll highlight a couple prospects that I expect to make a considerable impact this year up beyond Shane Boz, obviously. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is maybe the one pitching prospect who's better than Boz, and I think he's at a point where the Orioles won't be able to keep him down all year. Also, the Reds duo of Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. I think Lodolo would be up, will be up first. He'll be competing for a job in spring training, whatever that starts. And, uh, yeah, good Good enough that I could see him becoming in. Useful fantasy option right away.
0: Oh yeah, I'm with you on uh, the Reds guys in particular. It's especially if the they start to make trades. Yeah, you know, anything can happen. But it sounds like you know they they might actually do that. They might shop like a Castillo or Sunny Gray. So uh, Ladolo in particular, I I think we could see him pretty soon. Uh, all right, there you are. Position previews done for now. (laughs) We might have to do these again at some point, but uh, hopefully they don't last two hours each. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow.
2: Bye-bye!